Blog Talk Radio. Because we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Yes, we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Balred Radio. My name is Matt Weston, and tonight I'm joined by the biggest, fattest, and most importantly, drunkest one of them all, BFD. And how's it going? We have real football to watch now, Big Matt. Aren't you excited? I'm excited. I, 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 I'm excited I because show you. <laughs> I'm excited because I'm always ex- because I've been excited before in the past. I don't know if I'm excited yet, and I won't be excited really until like after the season starts. And this helmet rule has been a complete travesty, and uh, and if it is, I can riding, you know, and really enjoy. The Texans are good. Uh, then I'll I'll be happy. They feel good, normal, and how they should be again. You know. Yeah, I do know. I get it. Yeah, yeah. T- time has worn down the soul of mine. You know. <laughs> I am I am ready for for summer to be over though, and I think this to me like always you know whenever this happens, summer's over, Labor Day's done with. I'm tired of swimming. I've broken enough times. I'm ready to, you know, I don't know, watch the Sopranos and animal sheets instead of uh, go out and get sunburned every weekend. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's this summer has been ridiculous. We went almost three months without rainfall at one point and this rain last couple of days has been great, but man, I get tired of summer now by May. I'm just, you know, <laughs> you know, and thanks to the global climate change, of course, we see, you know, we're setting records almost yearly for the number of 90 degree days and hundred degree days. And it's just gotten so ridiculously awful outside. And then, you know, we keep our house at 82 degrees, but, you know, you go to some places like 70 degrees, so you're like, okay, I just sweated my butt off, and now I'm freezing because this restaurant has their AC set at 70. <laughs> so, anyway, mm-hmm. I, I'm done with it. I'm yep. ready to move to central Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> it's also it's also a young, I, I, uh, I guess, a season for children as well, too, where they're free you know, from school and doing whatever that is. You know, I don't know what they do at all anymore. More, but can do whatever they want to do in a way. But no, I'm I'm at work. I'm looking outside the window. That whole sort of thing. So, anyways, I'm ready for it. And so, uh, did you know that the Houston Texans are going to lose to New England Patriots this week? Man, I couldn't believe you. You went so negative. Why must the masthead always be so negative? Man, it's I, I I'm not very optimistic. I'll say that. Um, if if you watch any New England preseason. They look, even in the preseason, they look downright terrifying offensively. So it's that is going to be one heck of a game to watch, and it's I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, and my thing is, and this is purely not even trying to be smart and think of anything at all. It's purely uh, they always lose to New England Patriots, and until they don't lose to New England Patriots, I'm just gonna keep saying they're gonna lose to New England Patriots, but. So week one's all set to begin with Thursday night's game between the Eagles and Falcons. And before we get into the Texans game, I want to kind of do some, I guess, some season predictions for stuff to start the show for about, you know, 20 minutes or so. And then we'll go all in on the Texans-Patriots preview because we don't have a game to review or really think about it all. 
I guess you can talk a little about some position battles uh, in between the two. And I uh, have a Shane Leckler you know, memorial party. Uh, <laughs> awake for like, you know, like your your evil stepmother finally, you know, kicks the bucket. You get in a state to, to do something with. But we'll get there in due time. So I guess there's some awards. Uh, as of right now, what team are you most excited to watch this year? It's easily. It's your Houston Texans. I think that, you know, they, they – there's significant reason to be pretty excited about this team this year. I, I don't think it's a Super Bowl level team, but maybe. Uh, but I am absolutely looking forward to watching the Texans play this year. The offense, you know, there's there's a lot of promise. There's a lot of hope, and, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later too. So I'm not going to spoil my own plot, Ew, phrasing. But uh, you know, it we've made a, this team has made a couple of changes, and, and I just want to go back and I want to pat myself on the back because I've been saying for probably five or six years it was time to get rid of Rick, Rick Smith. He was not a good general manager. The defending Rick Smith for so many years with three playoff losses over those years to me was utterly ridiculous and just straight up homerism. It is funny to see now people say, oh, no, I didn't defend him. Yeah, hardcore. I couldn't say a bad thing about him or I was just a hater. Why must the mess that always be so negative? And look what Brian Gaines done the last two weeks, you know, with Bill O'Brien, of course. You and I have been talking about Shane Leckler for a couple of years being a part of the special teams problem. He's gone. And no matter what you say, it's just the punter. Well, you know, you really have like three or four primary guys on your special teams, your punter, your place kicker, and your return guys. You can say, well, our special teams are bad year after year after year, but it's not Shane Leckler. But the one thing that hasn't changed is Shane Leckler. So it was time for him to go. And then you look at Matt. We cut Jay Prosh. Did you ever think that day would come, that there wouldn't be a fullback on this team? And, I mean, fullbacks aren't people anymore in the National Football League. There's just almost no reason to have a, a fullback on your team unless you're going to run a certain scheme or you have Adrian Peterson on your team. They, they, they are a waste of snaps. And so what tell, that tells me is, hey, you know what? Maybe we're going to change our, our offensive running style a little bit. We're going to be doing a lot more with Lamar Miller because we ain't got no Jay Prosh out there wasting carries and wasting targets you know, in the passing game or just wasting snaps, period. We're going to put real weapons out on the field. That kind of tells me that Bill O'Brien's offensive scheme has changed and has adapted to Deshaun Watson's skill set. And so I'm even optimistic on that front about what the offense is going to do, Matt. So it's for me, it's the Texans. <laughs> you know, I kind of love about that too. It's like, yeah, I'm really excited to watch the Texans this year, not because Deshaun Watson's healthy, not because Lenny Murray is healthy, not because Jay Watt's healthy, but because – the the trash has finally been taken out to the curb. The the dead cats the freezer and Shane Leckler and Jay Prosh are gone. Um, it's I, I, mean, I think the biggest thing about Leckler is exactly what you said, where he's been the special team punting unit has been horrendous every single year since he's been here. But he's not the reason why everything else. But the most important part of your punting team is your punter, and when your punting team is dead every year, it's probably because your punter. And the biggest problem with him is that. This, outkicks his coverage every time. He doesn't angle it. He doesn't put the ball very well. And he gives up too many returns. And so when you have a team that doesn't have the best return, you, you keep saying, uh, or like everybody else keeps saying, not you specifically, that you, you don't want to have a punter who's going to give up a lot of returns at all. It doesn't make any sense. And so I'm so glad Trevor Daniels here. I think that was the best take him out this preseason. 
And then go to Jay Prosh. Like, I'm fine with your team having a fullback. A fullback can do, especially if you can catch passes too as well. And as the Texans don't have elite, don't have anybody that can play H back as of right now. But also Prosh is a really bad fullback too. Like he hasn't been it at all. I feel like Rick Smith resigned to make him to make that draft class look better. Guys that he resigned all these guys. I know. I think Andre Howell and Quinn are the only two guys that are any good in that class. And uh, and Prosh has just been like a really bad fullback. And if there's only like seven fullbacks in the league, and you have a bad one, that's you know pretty inexcusable. But uh, the team I'm most excited to watch this year is the New Orleans Saints. I love Alvin Kamara. I love Mark Ingram as like that. Like I like how they are the perfect complements for each other. In the English me out for four, for four for four weeks. Uh, Michael Thomas is like probably the the most underrated best receiver in the league. Their offensive line is really good too. A lot of fun to watch. Ken Jordan, a, a, he's a pirate out there on the as an edge rusher. I'm interested in what Davenport looks like. Marcus Williams was a really good safety last year, even though he has to play. And like it's always super fun to watch like those lockdown like physical corners and going to Marcus Lattimore. And then oh, that doesn't even take into account Drew Brees yet, who's you had five four back at thirty nine years old. Can barely even see on the line of scrimmage, just like stand on the feet to throw the ball deep downfield. And you also even have like Ted Ginn there, just like a fourth receiver to go back the field. So I really love watching the Saints, and uh, I'm super excited like to see that leg in this year. And I and I think that I will be watching them play a lot of games this year too overall. Yeah, but they cut Tom Savage. I mean, how can you really root for a team that cuts Tom Savage, Matt? And, yeah, they can even was, enjoy that team. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Uh, I, I know I know we're on that season preview last year as well and talking about how bad Tom Savage is going to be, how much of a disaster it is. And luckily O'Brien made the switch, like, immediately after one half of play instead of waiting until, like, week four or five have the season be completely over. But, uh, yeah, Savage is terrible. And it's also hilarious, too, that they cut Savage right for Bridgewater after I said that Savage is going to be better than Bridgewater anyway. And so uh, it's going to be exciting to see, too, what happens with him for the rest of his career as well. And it's cool that he's, like, like you know, okay, being patient and waiting for his chance to put himself in the best situation he can be and restarts again. Yeah, and, and just one more, you know, nail in the Shane Leckler coffin. is If you want to see what a good punter looks like, and I realize we're talking about punting, is watch John Hecker. I mean, he angles the ball. He he – he can like he basically hits wedge shots when he needs to with the ball. I mean the guy that's today's modern punter. Michael Dixon is going to be along those same lines. He's a guy who can kick accurate the punt accurately and far and do different things and just kick the ball down the middle of the field as hard as he can. Mm-hmm. So that is today's punting game, and that's why Shane Leckler was part of the problem. So I mean I'm even excited about watching Daniel kick freaking punts. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay. It's not nice to like see some fair catches. No, it's nice to see some actually like force fair catches, you know, and not see just horrendous stupid runs. And it's also really funny that Joe Marciano in Detroit has turned the lines into like special teams by DVA the last you know, three years he's been there as well. Mhm. Mhm. So, uh, who's your who's your favorite non-Texans player you're gonna be looking forward to watching this year? There are, you know, I, I love, there are a lot of guys that I really enjoy watching. I mean, you named a couple of them with the Saints, uh, Kamara being one. I, I still think I kind of go back to my growing up with the Houston Oilers roots, and I'm going to say Aaron Donald. I just love those 
I love those interior defensive linemen who create havoc, can take on multiple blocks. And Aaron Donald gives you the advantage that he can also get to the quarterback. He's just so incredibly good. I mean, he's just – he's not J.J. Watt in his prime good, but he's the next thing step below that. He's just – these are the guys I really enjoy watching, Matt. How about you? Mm-hmm. Uh, mine, Kamara, I mean, just like his numbers last year were just insane. That He averaged six points a yards a carry. He never had more than 12 carries in one game last year, and he still rushed for 100-plus yards, I think, four or five different times. He also was like the, he also was a top-five receiver in football last year, lining up in both the slot and outside. He could, like, run fades out there against linebackers. He could run, you know, wheel routes out of the slot around, you know, slants kind of uh, throwing – kind of creating, you know, jams in front of him, too. And also, like, he just – you can't tackle him head on. People just hit his legs and slide down like he's a stripper pole or something. And also, I like his nose ring. It's very punk rock. He has, I like his <laughs> hair as well, too. And, like, just the aesthetics of him in black and gold is really cool in New Orleans as well. So, everything about Kamara, like, I, I just super love. Yeah, it's so funny how we watched the Patriots completely dissemble us in the playoffs twice by very specifically matching up their halfbacks versus our slow-ass linebackers, right? Mm-hmm. And then why don't more teams do that? And then you see the Saints offense last year with Kamara doing that. It's like, you know, duh, there's your matchup, guys. You know, go in with a two-back set, put in Kamara and, and Ingram, and then, you know, get one of them out and put them one-on-one on a, on a uh, linebacker. These are just mm-hmm. nasty matchups that don't bode well for the defense. Yeah. Yeah, and Ingram's a really good receiver as well, too. Uh, and also, going back to Donald, who do you think leads the league in sacks this year? I don't know. I've been I, – I, Matt did a great job, I'll just say, uh, getting us ready for this post this year. It, I don't really know. What I think is going to be interesting in with the trade of Cleo Mack, are we, do we have any LOL material on John Gruden, or do we just talk to him when we get to the horse? <laughs> coach in football um and he hasn't even coached the game yet look that trade was beyond stupid uh, that's just you don't get a guy in his prime and trade him for a couple of picks just because of he wants more money and now that defense is straight trash at this point uh, so you put Khalil Mack and you put uh Leonard Floyd on the other side of him and those two guys are going to do a lot of freaking damage, and they're going to be a lot of fun to watch too. And I didn't think I was going to say that about the Chicago Bears this year. Like, there was just no way. So um, who do I think leads the league? I, I think it's going to be Khalil Mack because you still have to account for a guy on the other side of him. Mack is going to bring a lot of uh, attention, obviously. It's who he is. But he's also going to have some help on that team. So I, that's the guy who I'm going to go with is Cleo Mack because, man, I could easily see, you know, they have to account for Akeem Hicks. They've got to account for Eddie – well, you know, Eddie Goldman's a nose tackle, but he takes up tackler or, you know, blockers. Mm-hmm. You've got Floyd on the outside. You've got Acho and sub packages. They're going to create a lot of havoc. So I'm going to go with, with Mack. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, also, here's a – I think, like, the best stat to kind of describe why the Mac trade was bad is that last year he accounted for 9.8% in the Raiders' defensive plays, which was first out of all edge defenders last year. And that also was a defense that even with him on that defense, as good as he was, they still finished uh, They finished 29th in DVOA. And so they lost the guy 
I the league in edge and all the edge defenders and percentage of defensive plays have, and they don't have anything to replace them. There's already a bad defense. Uh, it's probably the worst defense in football next year, without a doubt. And also, like, if you have two first-round draft picks, if you have two tries with those two picks, you're probably not going to get a player as good as Khalil Mack at all. And it's not like they're, they're in some huge salary cap hell as well either and couldn't pay them. Uh, too. It's not like the St. Louis – it's not like the Los Angeles Rams having to you know, trade someone they can't afford. So, yeah, it's, it's unbelievably dumb. Uh, and I'm going to go with Von Miller in kind of a similar vein as, as you picking Mack where he has Bradley Chubb on the other side. Miller's already been able to have you know, 18 back seasons before in the past. He's led the league in sacks before in the past. I think he's going to be you know, super motivated that he has kind of has a quarterback in Case Keenum this year. And also, too, I don't think the tackles in the AFC West are very good. Eric Fisher's back. Mitchell Shorts, you know, has trouble against faster edge rushers like that. Uh, Colton Miller, I think, is going to be bad as a tackle because he has awful hands. They still kind of don't even know who the right tackle is going to be yet. Well, I guess it's going to be him at right tackle, and then Penn's going to play left tackle. And then also in San Diego, in Los Angeles, I'm never going to get that right. Uh, with the Chargers, you have two mediocre tackles there. Russell Okun, you know, wasn't good. Uh, and he was paid a lot of money there as well to not be very good too. So I think Miller with six games against the other guys, with Chubb on the other end, and with the, with the, going from like having a quarterback play in the league to maybe average quarterback play in the league, I think he'll be uh, he'll be it for them to win games. And I think he can do it. So I think he yeah, I think that's this year. I, I think that's a great take on it. Yeah. Um, which which team are you least excited to watch this season? See, the easy answer is the Raiders, I think, because Cleo Mack is gone. But I absolutely want to enjoy what a dumpster fire that team is going to be. John, Gruden, it's so funny how, how – and it wasn't just the Texans team base when we were looking at Bill – you know, before we hired Bill O'Brien getting rid of Gary Kubiak, how many people were on the John Gruden bandwagon. But John Gruden's mind is still set in 1995. And he is not going to be a good head coach in today's environment. And I don't think he can even adapt to today's environment. So I'm going to really enjoy watching that team play because I can't wait to see how absolutely terrible they're going to be. Um, the Browns are kind of another easy pick, but I, you know what? If the Browns would have gotten Khalil Mack, that would have been cool. That's who I was reading for, uh, for him to go to. I think the Buffalo Bills were going to be the team for me. Nathan Peterman is your starting quarterback. That's the Nathan Peterman who had five picks in his first game against the San Diego Chargers last year. That was in the first half. Uh, that team is going to be special bad. And then you have LaShawn McCoy's status up in the air. The defense is – it's just not an enjoyable team in any way to watch. So I, I'm really looking forward to that one. I can't remember. Do you remember off the top of their head that they're a DVOA team defense? I'm looking real quickly. Uh, I think it was mediocre. It was mediocre. Yeah, yes, they're 15. So you're yeah. going to have absolutely one of the worst offenses in the league, and you're going to have a middling defense. It's going, that team is going to be hair bad, and I don't mm-hmm. like any part of it. Matt? Yeah, and also they're, they're not very much fun to watch at all either. Like what made them interesting and fun was their run scheme. They're all different pools and options and some reads they run with Taylor and McCoy. And when you lose that running aspect without having, you know, uh, Taylor there at all anymore, you have Peterman, who's a, a statue back in the pocket. Um, and also McCoy, like, who knows what's going to happen with the accusations against him. Um, 
like who I like you really don't even know if he's gonna play. And so yeah, like, I, I I think for sure for me the number one team is the Browns. I'm not gonna watch the Browns until Hugh Jackson's fired. And then once Hugh Jackson's fired, I can watch the Browns because he is uh, an idiot. He's a bad head coach. The Browns should not have gone zero and sixteen last year. They were way too talented for that to happen. And uh, and this year, I think they're just going to be awful until he's gone. Once he's out there, I'll, I'll watch the Browns play. And also, I I'm, I'm, don't want to watch the Dolphins at all either. Like, Cameron Wake's their only exciting oh, yeah. defensive player. He's, like, 34 years old now. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, he's probably bad. And I know, like, it's such a – like, Tannehill's the ultimate, like, football nerd, hipster. I watch the film. Uh, this quarterback's actually good sort of guy. And Tannehill can throw the ball downfield well, but he's not – He's a good quarterback. He's just coming off ACL surgery, too. And I guess, like, the only interesting thing is, like, you know, the penalty, Tunsil, Albert, you know, Juwan James, offensive line is pretty interesting. But without J.H.I. there and Kenyon Drake, I'm not really looking forward to that either. And also, like, best receiver is Kenny Stills, who's, like, you know, the fourth best receiver in, like, New Orleans, you know. So there's really not anything at all there. And also, like, I'm still super pissed they changed their uniforms from, like, that cool <laughs> dolphin with those colors and – that was just, like, beautiful to that, like, stupid, uh, faceless, like, blob, you know. It just looks like how I got Aquaman turd. And uh, that really hurt my feelings, too. So, yeah, I don't want to watch the Dolphins play really at all this year. But I'll watch a Dolphins game before I watch a Browns game. Yeah, yeah, that's – yeah, okay. I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I guess if you want to go through your picture real quickly for, you know, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year – uh, MVP. I'll, I'll like to listen to you talk about that. Yeah, sure. Uh, oh, okay. You want me just to kick it off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm right here. Well, uh, okay, okay. Uh, this one, I, I put some thought into it. I, I really had a hard time kind of coming to the decision because a lot of the guys who are normally kind of like the leaders for those MVP, you know, offensive, defensive kind of things aren't in great situations. So Aaron Rodgers to me is an example of that the, the Packers just made him the highest paid football player in history, which he deserves. He's the best quarterback in the NFL, but his surrounding cast sucks. I mean, almost to a person, they're bad. Randall Cobb is done. Jordy Nelson's gone. That team has a ton of issues and they're going to have a hard time keeping them healthy on top of everything else. Uh, Aaron Donald, I don't know what his latest status is. Uh, did he get, he got signed, but it's, yeah, he he's, signed. Uh, un, he's questionable for week one because of conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the last I saw, at least. So where do you go with some of these guys and them being the best in the league? And, of course, you have to consider that Blake Bortles is, is absolutely one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I don't know how, <laughs> you know, we can leave him out of the conversation. I'm going to give you kind of a, a give on who I think that MVP is going to be. And that'll that'll pretty much lead to who I think is going to make it to the Super Bowl. And I think the MVP is going to be Kirk Cousins. I think he's got a good enough offensive line, and he has got weapons out the wahoo in Minnesota. That was an absolute steal for Minnesota to get him. And I think he's going to be the offensive MVP, Matt. Um, uh, for MVP, I'm going to go with Rodgers, I think, because of what you're saying where, you know, his supporting cast around him isn't that great. Um, but I also I think his offensive line is going to be good enough for him to, to be able to, like, have the time to do what he wants to do. 
And so I'm going to go with Rodgers. And I think, you know, if he's healthy and plays the entire year, they'll probably win like 10 games by default because he's that good. Um, for defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Vaughn Miller because I think he leads the league in sacks. Also, I, I would think Jalen Ramsey's going to be the best defensive player in football this year. But I don't think they're going to throw at him enough to be able to get the accounting stats that's required to win that award. Like, you know, they throw it at Boye, so Boye gets interceptions and the pass is deflected. And so like, he'll get eight interceptions, and Ramsey will get three on the other end. And then Offensive Player of the Year, uh, I'm going to go with David Johnson. I think he really rebounds after having his wrist surgery. Carl's offensive line seemed to be good enough. And also Sam Bradford there, you know, he's a guy who loves to throw short. He throws short with, you know, high accuracy and completion rates. And so I think David Johnson's got a ton of passes as well as running. You know, he'll probably get about like 25, 30 to combined between his receiving ability and rushing ability. And also his injury was on his hand. It wasn't on, you know, one of his legs, the things that he uses to make all of his money and all of his yards. And he's also 27 years old in a contract year too. So uh, I really like David Johnson for offensive player of the year. And I, for my defensive player, I'm going to go with Mac and just, you know, sticking with that horse. And for my offensive player of the year, Todd Gurley, I think that they just – they do a great job. Um, uh, I just got a, a text from a, a certain person. Uh, Todd Gurley, they do a great job setting him up for success. And I think that team's going to do a lot of that again this year. Uh, the Rams are also going to be in comp- you know, competitive. They're going to be a Super Bowl type of contender. So I think he's going to see a lot of um, – Get a lot of face time, let's just say. Mm-hmm. You want to hear my biggest hot take entering the season? Do I? I'm sorry? So you want to hear my, my big hot take entering the season? You you damn well know I do. I can't even believe you have to ask. Uh, I don't think the Rams are going to make the playoffs this year. And I think it's going to be one of those – and this is not really – there's really no analysis of this at all. It's just my heart. And the reason why my heart's telling me this is simply because they had a, they added a lot of different guys this year, you know, on defense especially with Lee, with Peters, and same thing with Cooks coming in as well too. And they also made such a big jump from the previous year to last year. A lot better, you know, if you have competent head coaching and good quarterback play, your team can make a huge improvement uh, from one year to the other. But Jared Goff had the biggest jump in DVOA ever in the history of in the history of their numbers that they have. Uh, the Rams made such a huge jump in their performance as well. And I don't think that they were, you know, I think that jump was just so out of nowhere. Things come to regress the mean. And then with all the different personalities and stuff they have going on defense and, you know, the team in general, I think they just made too much change and there's too much, you know, kind of going on as well. And also McVay's still a 34-year-old head coach. Last year he coached a really young team. Uh, he was new and super interesting and all that. And I don't know if he's, you know, kind of prepared for coaching the guys he's about to coach this year. And then in addition to, you know, kind age and and uh, the way things can kind of go straight from there. But I, I think it's just too much happened and too much changed in one offseason. And I think they made too big of a jump the year before. So I, I don't think the Rams are going to make the playoffs this year. Hmm. That is that is certainly a take, and I do not agree with that take. I think Wade Phillips can get that defense whipped up. Uh, even though we all know Wade Phillips, the second season, has a tendency to regress too. But I think just, there's just too much talent there. And I think that uh, the scheme is just too tight, especially offensively. You just have two really good coaches on each side of the ball. And I just – that to me is, is a huge advantage. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to – it's one of those things that I'll just say, and then if you argue it, 
in at all. I just go, yeah, I understand. Like, I don't, I'm yeah, not, no, it's, it's, not all- a, it's one of those feelings. It's just like, I feel that I really don't have any, a big backbone behind it all. I, I just think no, it's and, happen. and that, that's a cool position to take though. It's, you know, it's, it's very, you know, sometimes you just got to go with that gut feel on when you see something like that. So I told it, I'm hit. I get it. Yeah. Well, I was, Football draft on Sunday night, and I said that, and then people were like, you know, they'll argue me and call me stupid. I go, yeah, I know I'm very stupid. Like, I know it's very, it's very stupid. This, this, but this is the, this is what I have, this is what I have churning inside. Uh, do you have any picks off this year? Uh, Super Bowl picks. I'm sorry, you cut out just a little bit there. No, oh, I said, do you have any big takes at all? Do you have a Rams will make the playoff skip sort of take? Uh, not really. I think mine are pretty obvious. I think John Gruden's going to face planned, I think would probably be my biggest take. And I think more people are, I think that batting wagon's already freaking full. Um, I don't <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I think California, that batting wagon. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, the, the Eagles are, are, um, are not going to be as good, but I mean, there's, there's reasons for that. I think, you know, the Jacksonville's defense is not going to be as good as they were last year. I think all of my hot takes are just kind of like, they're like marginal kind of things. Like, Oh, they're not going to be as good. Not something like, Oh, the Rams aren't going to make the playoffs. So I don't, mine aren't worth it. All right. Well, who's your Super Bowl then? My Super Bowl is the Minnesota Vikings and the uh, New England Patriots with the Vikings winning. I think between that defense and between the weapons they have at, uh, on their offense, and if they can stay healthy, Minnesota had the second-best DVOA last year tied for with Baltimore. Um, unlike Jacksonville, I think that defensive performance is more sustainable and because they did play good teams. So I really think that Minnesota is going to be a hell of a team. I can see it. Minnesota being the team that has like a top five defensive and a top five offensive DVOA. Matt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm going with the Saints over the Jaguars. I think the Saints are. Like uh, everything you said about the Bikes, the same way about the Saints. I just think the Saints are better, especially with Breeze at quarterback, more than your cousins. I think they're the same level skill players. I think you're gonna you know, lose some defensive ability. Of it, but I just I, I just trust Breeze a lot more than Cousins. Your Cousins, every single I still don't know if he's good. I think he's pretty good. I still can't get that Week 17 reception against the Giants out of my head. And the fact that like if he is this great quarterback, you know the Redskins should have been a lot better while he was there. So I think Cousins is like you know a slightly better. I think he's in the same caliber as like Matt Schaub was in 2011, but just slightly better. And I don't think that's uh, I don't. And also I don't be able to like recreate the same performance Keenum did last year. Keenum was the most efficient passer in football last year. And uh, you know, like say what you say what you want about and you know, some of the silly stuff about him, but I don't think Cousins is gonna be able to have that same sort of efficiency that you know Keenum had last year. I think you're by switching out you're not gonna have that regression Keenum did and you're gonna get balance out a little bit better and the defense will stay very, very good. Um I just think the Saints are a better team than the Vikings. And then also I mean, I guess the AFC, I'm going to Jaguars. I think they have the pass defense to beat the Patriots. They have that last year. I think with Norwell there, the run game is going to be so much better, too, as well, where they can roll against heavier boxes and actually be okay. I think the lead thing hurts really bad, but I think they know they're in offense now, and they'll be able to get out to some leads and, you know, win the 10 games needed, 11s needed. 
and uh, be able to you know give it to New England because I think I don't think the Steelers at all. The Steelers will be the Patriots, and so I think it's either going to be Jacksonville for sure, AFC, and uh, I'm I'm ready for somebody out of New England to, to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I really agree with with all of that. I just it would be great. I don't see it happening just because I think New England is going to be so good. Yeah, but, you know it's time for somebody else. <laughs> Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about New England now. Uh, and I guess one of the things that really surprised me is just like how injured their defense this year, going back and kind of getting ready for this game. So this Sunday the Texans are gonna play. Or, I, I my bad. Let me just, let me start over again. Okay, on noon Sunday the Houston Texans are going to New England and they're going to lose the Patriots there. So BFD, as someone who likes the Houston football team, are are you? So you're stopping this game, but what's your mental state entering the Sunday? No, it's, it, that has to be the correct way to go at this game. Until Bill O'Brien can beat Bill Belichick, then you have to go with, you have to go with New England winning this game. I just don't see how you can do otherwise. So it, it would be nice to be a little bit more optimistic going in, but it's extraordinarily difficult to do so. And, and it's at New England. So not only are we having to go on the road with what's probably going to be a newish offense, which might have a surprise factor, but it might also have a can we execute this factor. We've got an offensive line with multiple, multiple changes in the first game against a defense that should be improved over last year. And, um, and, uh, it's there, and then Tom Brady's offense, and you damn well know, that Bill Belichick is going to pick apart our defense and Brady's going to, to be that trigger. I mean, how many times last year was Chris Hogan covered by the invisible man? I could totally picture that happening again this year. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, you have to go into them. I think you have to go into the mindset. This is going to be a win for the Patriots, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not excited for this game. At all because you know Texans gonna lose New England and they're just gonna lose New England until you know that changes eyes. Also, I'm gonna be in Canada and I'm gonna be day hiking, so I'm going to watch this game. Uh, so I'll probably watch the condensed version of the airplane probably like the following Sunday. So which I think is perfect too. So I can't get upset at the television. I can't uh, act like I not care and then get roped in and then care and then feel very stupid for caring like immediately as soon as you know Brady throws that game winning touchdown, whatever is gonna happen. Or then just like coming out and just you know, uh, just destroying them immediately. And if you are excited for this game, you think Houston has a shot. Just remember like Thursday night football, whenever they lost to Jacoby Brissett on a short week. You know, like it's just there's been so many unbelievably dumb ways the Texans have lost to New England. Uh, and then even going back to that same year where they played the defensive game finally to beat New England, but you know they had the worst quarterback in football back there, and that that didn't permit that to happen either. Um, what, and, you know, you talked to a couple times about Belichick versus O'Brien. I think that's kind of the biggest thing about this game, too, with it being week one, is that we see it every single year that with the lack of practices now in training camp, with the shortening of the practices as well, too, teams really aren't ready. They aren't, like, gelled together. They aren't really glued in in, like, week five or week six. And so every year we kind of see the same thing, where you see the teams just get off to a hot, hot start. They come off the gates and play really well. Those are usually the teams that have the least amount of turnover and also the teams with the best coaching who, you know, understand each other. The coach can be effective and efficient, get his team prepared and play the right way, understand the schemes and be, you know, ready to go. 
And so that's, I think, a, a huge advantage for New England week one is that they have Bill Belichick as their head coach. Bill O'Brien, you know, has been, uh, a, you know, an average to below average head coach at times in, in Houston. And there's an astronomical difference between the two. And also factoring that, you have O'Brien as a head coach who has failed repeatedly to go for it against New England. You know, he'll punt at, the four, at New England's 40-yard line. He'll kick field goals at the 27-yard line on fourth and two. He, uh, he won't push the ball downfield at times. Well, last year was a little bit different, but he's a coach very concerned about game plans as well. So for all those different factors, just as far as being a coach and players and the personnel and, uh, and some of the matchups, I think Houston's had a huge just because of who's coaching you know, each of these football teams. Yeah, I mean, how sad is it when you see in the preseason that your coach goes for it on like a reasonable fourth and two? And it's like, oh, my God, what a change in philosophy for the guy. When, you know, Bill O'Brien's got to be one of the most conservative head coaches in the league. I don't have a stat to back that, but considering the guy, like, you know, thinks mustard is spicy, then that's what I'm, I'm going to go with is he's just so super conservative. So you have to take chances. That's how Doug Peterson did it last year. Your, your player's in a position to succeed, and you know what? Going for it on fourth and two is a lot smarter than punting the damn ball. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, even some of those short yard runs that they had last year could have ended the game and not give the ball back to England they didn't take advantage of. Uh, that field goal in 2016 in the playoffs was just so repulsive. Uh, you know, and so there's just constantly those sorts of problems that, that have been there between the two. So if we kind of talk about, like, let's talk about the Texans' defense first, and then we'll talk about Watson's offense. Uh, on defense, do you think Watt and Clowney and Merciless can get to Tom Brady quick enough to be able to, you know, hamper them and shield the secondary that's probably really bad uh, from Brady, you know, kind of running over, all over them and picking them off? I, I do not think they will get to him. I think the guy who has the best chance of getting to Tom Brady is Bernard McKinney. And, you know, you kind of teased it in your little write-up here, I think. Yeah. Uh, again, Matt did a fantastic job. I, it's just he makes my job so much easier with the work that he does before the show even starts. But, you know, we remember what the Texans did successfully a couple of years ago against the Patriots in the playoffs. So it was those A-gap blitzes from the linebackers. That was uh, Cushing to some degree and McKinney to a huge degree, who was creating so much havoc on those inside uh, blitzes. I don't think that the outside guys, anybody outside, Watt, Clowney, Merciless, who's ever lined up outside of a tackle or even possibly outside of a guard, is going to have much success because the playbook is absolutely going to be Tom Brady getting the damn ball out of his hands quickly. They're going to use their running backs to do that. Rex Burkhead is practicing. I think Sonny Michelle is still questionable, and I don't think he's going to play. But they're going to get their ball, the ball to, the, to those running backs and let them do the damage. A lot of new faces, that's the biggest kind of advantage we have going into it. But they still have Gronk, and they still have Chris Hogan. And it's going to be a team that's going to put up a lot of points quickly. I think that, that Belichick is going to protect Tom Brady. That means we're going to see Kansas City in 2015 all over again. Get rid of the ball, get it out, and don't let the pass rush get to him, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's what they're going to try to do too. And then they'll do what New England typically does, where they throw all those short passes, throw all those short passes. You know, really effective, kind of pick up an unfair amount of first downs. Uh, you know, keep drives going on third down. And then whenever the safety starts walking, them, they go to cover one. That's when we'll take those shots deep. 
Um, you may even see Philip Dorsett catch a deep pass downfield as well, too. We're also looking at Texans safety group with three new players where it's Matthew, Kareem Jack, and Justin Reed, and all three of those guys haven't played you know, this position in the Houston yet. And so there may be some confusion there. That was one of the big problems last year for their defense was that it wasn't even that the coverage was bad, so they didn't even know who to cover because they played so much cover war. They weren't used to playing that sort of coverage. And also they had some, you know, even though they had the guys, they used to mainly playing man, and they didn't know how to pass off receivers downfield as well. Hogan and Cooks had enormous games in that one. When it comes to the pass rush, I, I, you know, I think they could if they could get in time. But with the way their cornerbacks are, I really don't think they kind of have a shot at all at you know, being the sort of secondary they being the sort of pass rush they were, you know, last year. Even. Uh, I'm so, so I'm not. I think bracing the ball out, you know, in three to four seconds, I'll be able to target McKinney. Cunningham was good in coverage last year. But I think even then, I think they'll they'll be able to match up and kind of scheme to get McKinney out in the flag against you know, uh, you know Burkhead and those sorts of guys too. And I just don't, I just really don't like the secondary. I think the quarterback as smart as Brady is, they'll be able to take advantage of Joe Seven's trying to play off man coverage. Kevin Johnson, who who can't really do anything at all, and then who knows how good Aaron Coleman is too. So if they had three and a half seconds, I would say so. But if they, I think they're only going to have like you know two and a half. And if the only shot I think. Cornell has great press, what you mentioned, McKinney up the middle. But also they can go back and do what they did before and put Clown over the center. They can put Law over the center. They can put Merciless over the center. Because David Andrews is a world attacker. I think as they can do as much as they can to kind of exploit the, that one position they can, that's their best shot to be able to generate enough pass pressure, pass pressure to be able to save their secondary in this game. Yeah, and I agree. And I can't remember, and, and it, I'm embarrassed to admit it, I can't remember who was the guard that got injured out for the year. Uh, the, this year, uh, Patriots. Yes, the the guy they drafted. I cannot remember. Oh no, he's pl- he's gonna play. That the guard. I thought he was playing. out for the year. No, I thought I thought you were talking about the left. No, he was a guard in in Georgia, and that's Trent Brown, and he's gonna be playing this year at left tackle. Right, he's left tackle. No, yeah. it was their was their draft else? pick this year. Not, that's, yeah. I can't remember who it was. That's my bad. Um, but Helm being out because he looks so great this year, so that is also going to help um, us get to the quarterback. I'm looking this up, damn it. Well, I don't think so because Shaq Mason was their guard last year as well, and then Joe Thune was their guard last year too. I think you're talking about yeah. Trent Brown, and he was supposed to be out because he started a guard in Georgia. But they're moving him to left tackle, and he's going to start this day. And he sat out all preseason – and there's rumors that he's going to be out for the first six weeks. He's to start this year and start week one. Oh, I think I got it. I think it's Isaiah Wynn. Yeah, Isaiah Wynn. So he was playing a lot inside. Okay. Oh, okay, anyway. gotcha. Isaiah, Isaiah Wynn is supposed to start left tackle. I guess Trent Brown's going to start left tackle instead is what it is. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I think we can. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah, Isaiah Wynn was supposed to start a tackle for him. He got hurt and he's out this year. Yeah, they yeah. move him from okay. guard to tackle with their film. Um. Yeah, but I mean. By the way, just, regardless, yeah. just, just. I'm sorry. Just to cut in. Just so y'all are aware, like evidently we're getting we're getting ready to be hit. 
just slammed by a storm and the thunder is just already getting loud. I don't know if you can hear it, but just an FYI in case I squeal in terror. That's what's going on. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we're going back to New England's offensive line. They are pretty good, and they're also like a much better running offense than they take credit for. Uh, I, and I was incorrect. Their first round pick wasn't Trent Brown, as I went, like you mentioned. But so Trent Brown was supposed to you know, be the backup to my new to play this Sunday. They maybe have to move Cannon to left tackle, start Adrian Waddle, but Trent Brown will be their left tackle, actually. And then David Andrews, their centers, is their weakest link, uh, but their guard combination, uh, Marcus Kanjo, is very good. They're both really good pullers. And also, you talk about fullbacks. Their fullback is, uh, is gosh, I, I can't believe I forgot his name, but they have a great fullback. He's a really good blocker, really cleans up the second level. And the Patriots are like a really surprisingly good run team as well, too. Burkhead's here. I know Sonny Mikel or Michelle may not play this, who knows, but I think it's going to be also kind of interesting matchup, too, with the run game and how New England uses their run game, too, by using hurry, hurry up and using kind of like a short sentence in the midst of like a you know, barrage of passing uh, and the barrage of passing attack as well, too. So, or do you think New England's going to be able to run the ball against Houston, with you know, everybody else being healthy and being back in this game? That's a big question. That's a really good question. James Devlin's their fullback. Yeah, yeah he's awesome. Yeah, he's well, no no fullback is awesome, Matt. Uh, <laughs> do I, I they're gonna I think they will struggle to run the ball against our defense. I think that's what our defense is really going to excel at is if I'm looking at Clowney, Watt, Reader, McKinney, Cunningham's not the best against the run, but those, you have a lot of really good guys against the run. Not only just really good. You can honestly say with a, with a uh, with a straight face that Clowney and uh, Watt are probably two of the three best in the NFL against the run. DJ Reader yeah. is one of the top two or three against the run. McKinney is way up there against the run. So these are this is going to be a team that's going to stop the run, which is going to make teams throw the ball, which is where we're going to struggle a lot. So there's kind of a trade off there. And, oh, Whitney Merciless, too. I mean, is there are mm-hmm. very many edge setters better than Whitney Merciless in the NFL today. So it's we're going to stop the run, but they're going to throw the ball a lot. So it seems like kind of a losing proposition that way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, too. And I think against other teams, New England's run offense is something that you kind of forget and uh, don't really understand as good as it is. But I think it's the, this Texans you know, run defense. I think it's probably, if they stay healthy, I think it's going to be the best run defense in football this year. And I don't think even New England is going to do very much at you know, running the ball against them. And last year, New England finished fourth in, in running, and they even added you know players to that rushing tack as well. And they want to deal with you know, Tron Mike Gillisley out a bunch and have that be very good for them. Uh, too. So the, the, I guess the next thing about this game defensively for Houston is passing coverage. So Gronkowski is going to be healthy. I think the the middle of the field, I don't know if they're going to put Cunningham on him and then probably shadow over the top with Tyron Matthew or shadow over the top with, you know, Reed or, you know, Jackson, how that's going to work. On the outside, a lot of off-man coverage. I think they're going to have to play a lot of coverage or play a lot of coverage too and try to bump at the line of scrimmage. But even then, you don't want to really want to play a lot of zone against he's able to pick things up so quickly. Uh, I don't – I don't see Houston be able to play with them at all. The only way I see them have the chance is if they get some sacks, put Tom Brady in long down situations, and then kind of tackle from there. Uh, I just I think either way, like every opportunity, every part of the field, 
New England's going to have an enormous advantage being able to put the football against them if they can go, you know, they only, they can get the three seconds needed for it. So how do you think Houston's going to try to cover the New England's wrong receivers? Badly. <laughs> uh, no, I think what you just said that we're going to do. I mean, we're going to, you're going to see, you're going to see matchup. My God, it just got really dark. This is craziness. Uh, <laughs> I think you're just going to see some weird. You're, you're going to make. You're going to see the the running backs are going to get out in space against our linebackers. They're going to be mismatched. You're going to see a lot of Rex Burkhead, I think, because everything looks to him playing this week, and he's going to get a lot of snaps. Um, you're going to see uh, Chris Hogan is going to find every hole if we play zone. He's going to wiggle his way out of situations if we don't. Dorsett's got the long speed. I could absolutely see Dorsett taking a seven-yard slant and taking it to the house, right? Yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna be just such a tough matchup. I think that's how we're absolutely gonna do it though, is we're gonna let them and you know the other guy who I've been thinking about, and this is this is Rivers guy. This is all about Rivers, this is for you, brother, is uh Corderell Patterson. Like this is gonna be his first time at really being looked at as a wide receiver who's actually a wide receiver instead of a return guy. And he could also do a lot of damage after the catch. So you've got you can almost see New England going with kind of the Jacksonville theory of just letting the guys with the big speed get them just get them the ball and let them do something after the catch. Dorsett, Patterson could absolutely burn our secondary easily. Matt. Yeah. And I, and I think it also depends on how they plan this one too. Uh and then the other thing that's you're thinking about they go they spread things wide, run more of a horizontal and vertical offense is that Jalen Joseph's not pretty, he's pretty slow. Also he's not the best tackler at all anymore. Kevin Johnson's a terrible tackler. Aaron Coleman's a fine tackler. Uh, but then, the you know, you have good tacklers back in the safeties, and then you think about, you know, Kareem Jackson and Matthew. And then the linebackers are good tacklers too. But you can easily see, like, you know, five-yard catches becoming, you know, nine-yard catches whenever you're having to deal with the cornerback specifically in this game uh, and how they how go about that also. But I think pretty much what we're going to see a lot of this game is quick kind of little runs to take Houston's defense by surprise. And then you're going to see a quick passes. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of screens at all. I think Houston's defense is going to be good defending the screens this year finally. And then I think enough of those quick passes, though, are going to bring safety up. They're going to go deep from there. And uh, and I don't know. I don't think Houston's going to be able to play man coverage at all either. I just don't think you're going to be able to play much man coverage at all this season with the talent level they have at cornerback this year just being so bad. Yeah, I can't imagine what that would even look like between Kevin Johnson and jo- Jonathan Joseph. I just can't. That's like back in the old days when you'd get a matchup on Madden with like your 98-speed wide receivers against the 79-speed cornerbacks. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else you you want to add about defense thoughts you're thinking about or thought, thought up during this riveting conversation we're having? Not our defense, no. Okay. So, on the other end, let's talk about the offense. Deshaun Watson's going to be back. He's returned from his ACL surgery. Uh, are you expecting to look a little rusty on this game, or are you expecting things to look a lot like they did last year against New England where Watson's just throwing the ball downfield and just doing anything that he wants to do? No, and I'm just going to go back. I've been thinking about this question, like, since you sent me the list, and I keep going back to the one thing. Uh, because ACL surgeries repair – hurt so he was 
you know, Deshaun Watson was hurt for a couple of years. He's been dealing with that. He's had weaknesses there. He just didn't know it. And so he should be back and strong. At this point, it's all mental. So might he be a little bit more conservative with his running style? I would say the answer is yes, because, again, mental. Is I don't think it's going to affect him, though. And I think once he gets past a couple of games and he's making cuts just fine, I think he'll kind of be back to normal. Hopefully he's going to take care of himself better than, like, RG3 did. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to be a problem for him at all. I can really see him. He's so mentally tough. I can really see him, like, being kind of ahead of that mental curve, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I guess it's kind of – it's not really a one thing for me. It's more about this entire season. And just what Watson did last year, like, I'm going to keep saying it because I – this is what I think, and you know, this is what – this is the way it usually works is that last year was just so amazing, but it was super unsustainable. Watson's not going to throw touchdowns like how he has before. I think he was also lucky with – to throw more interceptions than he should have as well, too. And also he hasn't played in a while, so I'm not expecting for – to be the, the type of player he was last year. I think he's going to be really good in the long term. But I think this year going to be going to look a lot more like how a rookie year is supposed to look like uh, than the way it looked like last year. For so yeah, I mean I'm expecting him not only to be like I don't think Rusty is the right word, but I just, I'm just expecting him to be worse than he was last year. And so I don't know. I'm not expecting like a four touchdown, you know, 350 yard game uh, with all those rushing yards that, and all those rushing plays he made the previous season in this one. Yep. Yep. Um, the other question about this New England defense too that I have is that last year they finished 31st in DVOA. They were really bad, and they didn't have a whole lot of talent as well too, especially when we got to the end of the year. Like, what was wrong with this defense last year that is usually pretty mediocre? I think it was two big things. If their defensive line play was poor, and they went out and got Danny Shelton in a trade with the Browns. So Danny Shelton – I mean, he's DJ Reader level against the against the run. He's not DJ Reader against the pass. So let's just be clear. But he's a damn fine player. He's a he's a two down guy. He's going to plug up the middle. He's going to create a lot of problems by himself. He's the classic classic zero tech nose tackle. Uh, and they also didn't have Dante Hightower for most of the season. So you take away, you know, with Chandler. Jones was gone. Jamie Collins was gone. You had a lot of no-name guys at linebacker, too. Uh, and then they had, you know, Marquis Flower flash at times last year. But I think the squad is just going to be much better just because they're going to have better bodies there. And I don't see them being 31st. They're not going to be, like, you know, much better than 20th against the run. But it's going to still be a significant improvement, I think, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the big thing, too, whenever I was looking at it, especially their front seven. Their front seven at the end of last year was a lot different than what they, you know, have healthy going into this season. And they're also switching to a 4-3 defense as well. Like, have, losing Hightower is enormous. That's like losing J.J. Watt for Houston or, uh, you know, Clowney for Houston. Like, he's their best front seven player. He's a really good pass rusher as well, too. Uh, and he's by far and away, you know, their best player at front seven. Trey Flowers is a pretty good edge rusher. I think with Danny Shelton and Malcolm Brown in the center, you can you have a – defensive line that's really hard to double team. And I still don't know entirely what type of run team he's going to run. It looks like they're going to kind of base outside zone. And then from there, they'll run your different quarterback zone feeds, your options and RPOs off of that as well, too. So I think it's going to be a better defense, maybe like 25th, 24th, 22nd. I think it's going to be one of the worst defenses in football last year. 
And also, I don't know if Matt Patricia is ever that good a defensive coordinator as too. And this year, New England right. out with – they're not even going to have one. Uh, Bill Belichick, I think, is called the, the plays on defense this year. I think it's going to make him a much, deep, much better defense. Yeah, and plus they get, you know, they get David Rivers back. This is going to be a very different team than they were. Uh, not da- um, I'm sorry, I butchered the name. Derek Rivers, not David Rivers, sorry. But he was their third rounder in 2017. He was out all year. This is, they added, there's going to be a lot more just kind of net talent just because they're going to be much more healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so as well, too. Um, so their pass rush is going to be Trey Flowers, Lawrence Guy. They also added Adrian Claiborne as well, too, and he's kind of an underrated pass rusher. Uh, do you think they're going yep. to make things stick between Davenport and Sean Charles Henderson at the tackle positions? I do, but I kind of think that early on it's just because there's going to be a lot of communication issues. I mean, there's so much change on the Texans' offensive line. We've talked repeatedly about how consistency on the offensive line is a great thing because you have a better understanding of what the guys to the right and the left are going to do for you. That's going to create problems by itself. Not only that, it's a super young um, offensive line. You know, Davenport, Martin, I mean, you know – Rankin at right tackle, perhaps. These guys are, you know, this is their first or second year in the league. So it's, mm-hmm. there's, there's going to be a learning curve, I think, for our offensive line. But the, uh, the, um, the um, half full take on this would be, is this offensive line, you have to be a lot more excited about it than you were about the offensive line heading into 2017. So I think that's a net gain. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so too. I don't. I think skill wise, Davenport can handle these edge rushers. I think on the interior they can handle them. I think Sean Shaw Henderson's can be really bad, and hopefully Rankin can come over and come in and start, and you know by like week four at the latest, and then really kind of help the other spot. But like you're saying, I think the bigger issue is just going to be about communication. Um, the Patriots, you know, have the greatest coach of all time, coach, and I think he's going to be able to do a good job and create confusion with different stunts and blitzes. Towers may have a pretty good game too. Uh, you know, blitzing up the middle. You know, Martin's kind of had some control with blitzers and switching over to pick up certain guys as well. So if they go with you know three techniques, and then you have high tower kind of rush leg. I can see that being a problem and be able to turn his shoulders and get back over there as well. Uh, but I think skill wise, like, I think they'll be okay. I'm again, I'm high on Texas offensive line. A lot of people are entering this year, but then they should be you know pretty all right against this pass rush. And I again, I think I think you hit it you know exactly right where. I think it's more about the scheme and what they're able to generate with confusion than actual like pass rush moves and one-on-one matchups. Uh, we kind of look at look like so far in this game. Yeah. And so in coverage on the outside, you have Stephen Gilmore against DeAndre Hopkins. I didn't like Gilmore going to New England. I think last year he was you know up and down. He wasn't as good as his contract indicated, but he was much better than I thought he was going to be. And they're playing a match him against DeAndre Hopkins where one the entire game. They may even play with the safety over the top to help out as well, too. Uh, do you think Hopkins is going to be able to win this battle? I, I think Hopkins wins every battle unless it's Jalen Ramsey. And I think that's going to be a tighter battle this year just because Ramsey's a year older. But I have absolute faith that that DeAndre Hopkins takes all comers at this point of his career still. Yeah, I, I think Hopkins is going to have a really good game, too, against Ramsey. I mean, against uh, Gilmore, you know, Again, Gilmore was like mediocre last year. He had much better playoff run than he had during the regular season. 
But I think this is one for sure that Hopkins should be able to, to do well against. And also, you know, that same mantra, same cliche that Bill Belichick takes away your best offensive weapon. If his case sides is DeAndre Hopkins, and they play two safeties over. Uh, how do you like Will on the other side being able to, you know, split, you know, cover one, be able to split the 60s, and they'll just run straight line. Do you think this is going to be a big Will Fuller game at all? I think it could be. I, I don't think much of Patrick Chung, especially at this stage of his career. Devin McCourty is a converted cornerback. He's had moments as a safety. He's had mo- great moments of success, and I think he's going to do a better job. But I, I do think that this could be a game. And, you know, Will Fuller is just a matchup nightmare. Like, there's no other way to put it. If he's healthy, if he's on the field, these are all big ifs, that he can do a lot. But he's got to he's got to be out there. And I tell you what, the, the offensive line has to give Deshaun Watson time to actually make those types of throws to Fuller. So I think that if you're looking at where can we exploit the Patriots' defense most of all, I think that's it. I think it's really it's getting the ball to Fuller. DeAndre Hopkins is going to do his damage. But if you're looking for the exciting moments, I think that you have a, a pretty good uh, matchup with Will Fuller versus the rest of the Patriots secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if Houston is going to win, it's going to be because of that. They're going to be able to throw the ball downfield. They're going to take advantage of Hopkins to steal more. Whatever help they have to provide, they do provide help. And then going back to Fuller on the other side of the field, you know, whether it's playing safeties, that sort of thing. Well, and I think the other advantage that Houston may possibly have, kind of like last year where New England was like kind of really surprised by the offense that Houston ran. It was entirely different than what they've ever ran before previously with fakes and the reads and the options, that sort of thing. And Bill Bryan mentioned, you know, earlier in the offseason, this offense was going to be completely different than it was the year before. And hopefully it's an extension of that new offense that they started run last year that maximized uh, Watson's and strength. So even though that's that if they keep going farther down that road in this game, and they have Watson doing you know, a bunch of different things, and they've run uh, different plays than they have previously, they may be able to take New England and you know, surprise a little bit too. But I think uh, you know on the outside, you know specifically, I'm having a trouble, you know that much trouble being able to get the ball to Hopkins and Fuller at all in this game. Yeah, that's it. Yep. All right. So for for prediction time, who do you have winning this game? I'm going to go New England 34, Texans 24. I just still think that – I think it's going to be another – what's the, the green ribbon, you know, you tried kind of game. And I see it ha- yeah. happening as that. It's going to be – you guys tried. It's if, if Bill O'Brien does something out of character, and when I say that I mean goes for it, you know, at the 50 on fourth and three, we have a much better shot. But as long as we're going to stay so conservative and there's still no reason to think otherwise, and hopefully that does change – then I think that Bill Belichick is just simply going to outcoach him again. Yeah, I have Houston. Oh, and then there's that. Have, you know, my Tom Brady guy. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have New England winning 38-28. Uh, I just until until something different happens, I'm not expecting it to happen. And you know, I think uh, this is the closest matchup going into it that we've had since Jacoby Brissett starting quarterback in New England which is a game they lost, like, you know, 17-9 or whatever. So I think this is probably the best advantage, like, or, like, the the closest match we've had going into a Texans-Patriots you know, game that we've seen before. But this is a different coaching scheme or, like, the just the confidence in New England just always win this game. I'm not with them, and I'm not really kind of, kind of thinking a whole lot different is going to happen. Yeah, there's no – you have to – 
you have to prove me wrong at this point, Bill. You really do. You have to punch up for a change. You have to do things differently. And I got to say, for the first time in a couple of years, because I was pretty much done with you after year two, for the first time in a couple of years, I am ready to be optimistic about what you're going to bring to the table. But don't let me down. Don't let me down, brother. You got to do the do things right. Be aggressive. Play to win. Stop playing to not lose. And do what you need to do with Deshaun Watson. And this could be a really, really good team this year. Yeah, yeah. Be aggressive. Be be. Uh, hopefully, he actually he actually takes his chances and has them. And lastly, we have a couple reader or listener questions. However, you want to say it. The first question BFT is from Dr. Watson. He said, how much better do you expect special teams to be now that the Texans have a confident putter? And I love this, uh, this commenter so much right now. And the second question, BFD, was if you could fire any current Texan the sun, how would you go about putting Kendall Lamb into this cannon? <laughs> right? Uh, that is the most perplexing move of the offseason is that Kendall Lamb – actually, no, that's the second most perplexing question. The first most – is how did Troy Main Pope not make the team over Tyler Scissorhands Irvin? That to me is absolutely wow. Have you just not watched these guys over the years? So um, Kendall Lamb, yes, I, I get it, but I think Pope being cut for Irvin is like even more stupid. It's just God, just what the what is going on? Yeah, Brian Gaines got a lot of got a lot of cre- credit with me right now, so I'm gonna let. Just kind of let it be. But, man, it just seems so stupid. Ugh. Yeah, I think with, with Daniel as a punter, I think just without having the amount of returns that they've had before, that they could probably be like you know, maybe the, the 17th best punting unit in football. And I think that's going to mean so much. I, and also, like, they were pretty good at returns this year on kickoff. Uh, I think one of the cool things about the new kickoff rule is it's led to a lot more returns, which is awesome. I miss kickoff returns so much, and but the field will be more open. It's like maybe they'll be better in that way too. Uh, but I think with Leckler gone, my, my big take is that the Texans won't finish in the bottom five of of DVOA this year uh, with Leckler gone. And then if I was going to load Kendall Lamb into a cannon, I play with a with a plunger in the most cartoonish way possible, just because it's the most cartoonish you know pass blocker I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, and the other thing to kind of look for is on the special teams, on kickoffs, and it's been talked about quite a bit, is that it's more okay to not have, like, small guys out there. So when you see a guy like Duke EGO4 on special teams making every freaking tackle because the dude's a total freaking fascist when it comes to tackles, he's going to make all the tackles. He does not want you to have tackles. He makes tackles. That's going to help our special teams. EGO4 alone could, like, bring up our DVOA, like, 4 or 5% by himself because he's out there making every freaking tackle and not missing them. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. And I think also, like, whenever you have uh, a different general manager, too, like, I think that's been probably the worst point of Rick Smith's career was, one, the inability to have any depth at all in the roster, and then, two, just, like, yeah. how bad they were at special teams. I think that was a direct result of him and his ability as as Gallon is the general manager. So I think that will help also as well, too. Um, our next question here is from Darth Grendel. He asked, since Ramsey Selby wins some Watson for MVP for 10 years and once isn't playing week one, should the NFL just give the award to Watson? Ready? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so over under for, for Watson, uh, 
1,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, 13 games started, and nine and a half wins. Uh, I'm going to say under for yards, under for TDs, over for games started, over for wins. All right, I'm going to go under yards, under touchdowns, over for games started, and I'm going to say under for wins just because I picked him at nine. Nine and a half, you know, that's a that's against against yeah. what I had earlier. Right. And then, yeah, I guess that's the, the last questions we have. We have a little juice box here about why Houston always plays in New England. I really have no idea how that works. I always thought it was just kind of random. I would have to kind of go back and look at the the schedule. And that, that isn't good radio talk, you know. Anyways, that's all we have for tonight's show. Thank you for listening live. You listen live. Thank you again for all the questions as well, too. Uh, and also enjoy the game. Like, this is such a beautiful time of the year. You arrived to Labor Day. We finally have football. Lawrence's new helmet roll isn't super bad. Uh, watching football is always a, a really good thing. And, you know, I'm not all the way there, but I'm, I'm close to being there. I'm close. Uh, and then also for next week's show, I don't know if we're going to have an episode. I'm going to be in Canada on vacation because that's just how the, the permit system worked uh, for me this year in the backpacking. So, uh, we'll be back on the week, the following week on Tuesday, and we'll talk about you know week two and previewing week three, unless uh, you know BFD somebody else is able to kind of step in and record one. Uh, we'll we'll see if that's able to happen or not. But if not, we just may have one week where we don't have a show. And also, I was thinking about uh, maybe doing a week preview show on Thursday with a friend of mine who can kind of fill in. We can kind of do more of like an overall NFL preview for each week too. Because uh, it seems like people have been excited listening to the podcast so far since we brought it back. And I think another po- a little bit more podcast, uh, maybe something else you may like as well, too. I think it would be entertaining enough. So, anyways, my name's Matt Weston. Thanks for listening to Bell Red Radio. And thank you for being on with me again tonight, BFT. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that 
for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.